All right, we want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the 18th chapter of the book of 1 Kings. Is everybody there? All right, let's now let's hold your spot there. Let's go to the 17th chapter of the book of 1 Kings. All right, we're going to read verse 1. It said, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord... God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, this is the first time anything is ever said about Elijah. We don't know who his parents were. We just know where he's from. Now, I think that's a <laughs> one of the most... Um, boldest prophets you'd ever want to meet in the Bible. The Bible lets us know that for the space of three and a half years it didn't rain according to his word in the whole world. That means it was other people on the other side of the world who knew nothing about Elijah. Knew nothing about his ministry, didn't know what kind of state backslidden Israel was in, didn't know anything like that, but yet they were affected by this man. That one man, the Bible says one man, Elijah, he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And God heard that prayer, and it didn't rain for the space of three and a half years. One man stopped it not only from raining, but look at what he says. There shall not be dew. You're not going to wake up in the morning to wait wet grass. It ain't the grass ain't going to even be wet. But according to my word, isn't that something? The book of James tells us that he was a man of like passions as we are. And it's talking about faith, the faith that he had to do that. But it wasn't because he didn't like rain. It wasn't because he was bald-headed and he caught colds every time it rained. It wasn't some personal vendetta. He was just sick and tired of seeing church folks living a backslidden life and on their way to hell and not knowing it. Everybody understand that? And see, so you, you can move God when, it, when it's not something personal, you see. You can move God when it, when it comes to souls. That's when God moves. Does everybody understand that? And so he showed himself to King Ahab and he told him, hey, you know, you forget about rain. It ain't going to rain. But according to my word, that's a powerful statement to make. And then went on about his business. 
Now let's think about something. He, he, he wasn't praying, after he prayed that prayer and God granted it for him, he wasn't praying it every day like, Lord, you, I can't look like a false prophet in front of these people. I've already put it out there, so please don't let it rain. Please don't let me wake up in the morning and be dew on the grass. It was already settled. Everybody understand that? All right, so that's, that's the first part that we read about his life. It ain't going to rain, except according to my word. Everybody see that? All right, so now let's go to chapter 18. <clears throat> so we're some three years later. Verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord. Does everybody understand what that means when he says that? It means she was killing those prophets. When she cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Does everybody see that? Now, you read the history of Jezebel just outside of the Bible, according to Jewish tradition. You'll see just how cruel this woman was. She wasn't just killing the prophets. She was killing their sons because she understood that that anointing sometimes went from father to son. And so she was killing their, their children as well, you see. Verse 5, And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all the fountains, unto all fountains of water, and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So you figure for three, for three years or so now that this has happened, there's been no water, uh, no rain, no dew on the grass, anything like that. So a lot of their animals are dying and have died. And so here, Ahab is sending out his, one of his people saying, Let, let's go see if we can find some water somewhere. Let's go see if we can find some grass somewhere so that our animals don't just, all of them don't die. All right, so let's go and keep reading verse 6. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that, my Lord, Elijah? Isn't there something there? And he said, What have I sinned? Oh, no, let's go back. Um, verse 8, And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Verse 9, and he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nations that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go. Tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. 
but I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. So apparently this was going on. Ahab was sending people out to find Elijah. And when they couldn't find him, he'd kill him. Isn't that something? Elijah was a wanted man. And here we see at the beginning of this chapter, God tells him to go show himself to, to Ahab. Everybody see that? All right, verse 13. Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of, of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So you see how um, Elijah presented himself to, to Obadiah, found him, and he told Obadiah, you, you tell your master, your Lord, that I, I want to meet him. And of course, Obadiah, he thinks it's a setup. He thinks that when he go tell Ahab that, that when he comes back for Elijah, Elijah won't be there. And so he thinks, oh, this man want my life. So because he understood what it all had been going on. Now you notice, he, he says, I fear the Lord. That's what Obadiah said. Was it not told you what I did? I, I saved a hundred of God's prophets. I've saved their lives and I keep them, I sustain them. He says, so I fear God. And listen, he feared God enough that when Elijah said, as the Lord liveth who I stand before, who I stand, you know, in front of, uh, when you go tell him, I'll be here. And he went on that word. So part of fearing God was believing God's prophets. Does everybody see that? Verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Now, I think verse 17 is the verse of the century. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? It's your fault that we're in this famine. It's your fault that my life ain't going right. And you know, that's, what, that's the way people would be. Uh, you know, now, let's not think about what they were talking about, what they were doing. Let's think about today. Everybody saved until a prophet get up to preach. And all he's preaching is God's word. But all of a sudden, the preacher's the problem. Does everybody understand that? Oh, uh, yeah, so I guess we'll go in here with the word of God says, and I'll find out some other stuff I ain't doing right. Well, whose fault is that? Everybody understand? God's word don't change because you don't want to line up to it. Everybody understand that? Yeah, God ain't rewriting his word every night when you go to sleep. It's all, it was all there before we got here. So you can't blame the preacher for pointing out what God's word says about how you're supposed to live. You just need to live it. Amen. Everybody understand that? Other than that, you're just like Ahab. Uh, you know, you troubling. I, I, was, I was good and saved until you got up to preach this morning. <laughs> Are you the one that's been troubling Israel? Look at what 
what Elijah's response was. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Does everybody see that? Now therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which, sit, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel. Everybody see that? Now sometimes I think we, we overlook what's going on here. And we have to see the whole picture because I think the Bible have just, to some of us, the Bible have just become some good story. But you really have to think about what you're reading when you're reading it. Here was a man who was killing people because they couldn't find Elijah. And then when he finally Elijah, Elijah tell him, it's you, 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 you're the cause of all this, you and your, your ancestors. Now I'm telling you to go send for all of Israel. Get your 450 prophets and get your wife's prophets and, and meet me at Mount Carmel. And the Bible says Ahab did it. That prophet knew who he was. Does everybody understand that? He's telling a king, not some, not some vice president somewhere. Not some president that's got, you know, other branches of the federal government he has to answer to. He's telling a king with absolute authority, you go get all of Israel and gather them to Mount Carmel for me. And Ahab did it. He couldn't help himself. God was going to make sure of that. Everybody understand that? Now, this is where some years ago, uh, around 2006 and 2007, I would have uh, dreams that I was going into a church, just kind of like this one, where church service was already going on, and the preacher was up preaching and things like that, and uh, I would just walk in through the back door like that one, and I would stand, I would walk over to the side, and I would just stand there, and I would listen at them preach for just a minute or two, and I'd hear, something that was off in God's word, and I'd know that that was a false prophet up there. And I would yell it out loud, false prophet! And the whole congregation would turn and look, and then I'd walk up to the front, and, he, and, he, and the preacher would say, well, why are you calling me a false prophet? I said, because the word says this, but you're saying that. They say, well, this is my understanding. And I said, okay, well, let's, and, and, and this is what I would say. Well, let's, let's let God answer about this. And I look out in the congregation and be somebody deaf or lame or something like that. I said, can you, have you prayed for them yet? Said, yeah, we've been praying for them. Said, and God ain't healed them. Said, no, he ain't healed. Okay, well, if God healed them, then I'm the prophet and you the false one. I said, but I'll give you a chance first. You pray for them now. Let's see what God will do. They pray for them. God wouldn't do anything. I said, so now. Let me pray for him. If God sent me to call you out, then, I, then God will heal this individual, you see. And so, I would, and so the Lord would heal the individual. And, then I, you know, and I wouldn't be ugly towards the preacher. I would just say, God didn't send you to preach. If he would have, you wouldn't be preaching lies. Now, of course, you know, to me, that's, that's not necessarily my nature to be disturbing church services or anything like that. Uh, but the Lord was showing me that's your job. And... Uh, and, I, I, and, I, and after I had that dream about four or five times, I asked the Lord, why do I keep having this dream? I don't want to be a, a, a contrary type of individual. And he said, because I've called you to live on top of Mount Carmel. 
And the signs and wonders is what's going to back up what, what you see. And so that, and this, is the, this, is, this is the job of, of God's people. God vindicates his word with signs and wonders. That's why they're called signs. It's a sign to the people who God is really with. Does everybody understand that? All right, so verse 20 says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? And you know God is still asking that question today. How long will his people be, listen, halt. How long will you be stopped and stagnant between two opinions? Does everybody understand that? Now, how, what does that mean today? So, you know, I, I just went and visited my friend um, a couple of days ago. And uh, he, and there in Nashville, and he was saying how, man, I still watch your messages. He said, you, man, you, you come down hard on the women. You, you come down hard. Well, the Bible comes down. I don't come nothing. I didn't write any of this. But he was saying, but it's the truth. I, I think that's one of the biggest problems we have in this society. I think the family structure is what, like the old people used to say, going to hell in a handbasket. Because mothers aren't being mothers and fathers aren't being fathers. I, I've seen some twisted things in my life. Some twisted Twisted things. I, I've seen females that struggle with their homosexual spirit. They might not know it and, and might not even have a desire to literally be intimate with a woman, but they're struggling with it the same. And they think they validated and, and justified when they go out and, and find a man to marry. The only problem is he's struggling with the same spirit. He the female and she the male. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Are you still gay? Does everybody understand? You just done married an effeminate man. <laughs> that don't, you still, you ain't done nothing. Does everybody understand? How many of you, some of you seen that? It's just as clear as day. They, they parading that man around and everybody know he gay but her. Ain't nobody fooled. <laughs> so we, it, it, everybody understand, it's still all perversion. If God's word was being followed, there would be no such thing as an alpha male or a beta male. It would just be a man. And you wouldn't have to put him in, under all these categories. That's a man's man. You just stay away from him. That's a beta male. Now, it's a man. With male body parts. Does everybody understand that? And he's supposed to be a man. It ain't no, you don't see that in the Bible. Alpha male and beta male and whatever other kind of males they got. A man was a man. That was God's word. Does everybody understand that? So you say, you come down hard on, on women. You know, and here's the thing about it. When you're talking about halting between two opinions... 
we can read this word and say, you know, and you can, you can say, well, yeah, God's word said that. Wives submit yourselves unto their own husbands as unto the Lord. I, yeah, I, I believe that. But when you live something else and you don't do that, you're still halting between two opinions. You, you saying you believe it and you actually living it, those, those are two different things. You're going to live what you really believe. If you believe God's word, you would follow it. Does everybody understand that? So, that, so this is one of the things that God wants concerning his people is for them to choose what side they're on. Choose what you're going to believe and stick to that. But don't try to walk both sides of the fence because now you're not getting anywhere. God, you know God can't, God can't save people who are straddling a fence. God can't save people who are halting between two opinions. If you're going to live for the devil, you need to live for him all the way so that when God comes send a preacher for you, you'll understand what condition you're in. But people that are in between two opinions, they don't know the condition they're in because at any moment of the day, they can choose one or the other. They've gotten it. You see it play out in people's sexual lives. When I was growing up, if somebody was a homosexual, they were full-fledged homosexual. Now you got folks that are bi. Does everybody understand that? And I put it this way, the church folks produced it. Because you got folks sitting in church who are buying. I don't mean their sexuality. I mean them following God and following the devil at the same time. Does everybody understand that? I follow God when it's convenient. And then when I'm in my emotions and in my feelings, I follow the devil. The church is what produced it. Does everybody understand that? I try my best not to get into this the first 30 minutes of the message because I want to be able to ask stuff on TV, you know, without a, <laughs> you know, we add the first 30 minutes of these messages on TV, uh, you know, every TV station ain't saved, you know, they ain't, they just need some programs on the air, you know, it ain't like they just, oh yeah, let's, let's put him on the air, you know. So does everybody understand what Elijah is asking? How long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you be stagnated between two opinions, in other words? He says, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the, unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock <clears throat> and lay it on wood and put no fire under. <clears throat> and call ye on the name of your gods. Everybody see that? Now, that's one thing you have to understand about the Balaam system, the Baal system. It was several gods. It wasn't just one god, it was several gods. Does everybody understand? The, I, preached, I preached in from this chapter some years ago. I think, I can't remember how, what it was called, but it was uh, basically the same thing. And it was on Easter, Easter day, if I'm not mistaken. 
And uh, the Lord was calling out churches that hide Easter eggs and just celebrate Easter all together. Now, one of the gods, of course, that was in the Baal system, but the, you know, there was the, the god of Ashtaroth. That was the god of fertility. It was a female god, a feminine type god. And she was the god of fertility. And of course, you know how we've explained all of that already. And so you see churches that, that's into all of that, into Easter and all of these other pagan, pagan holidays and things like that, that. Those are the things that God is calling out. How long will you halt between two opinions? You don't see anywhere in the Bible people celebrating Easter. Ain't nobody hiding Easter eggs. Ain't nobody boiling them and, and coloring them a certain color. They're not doing any of that. Not in God's word. Not his believers. So where did all this extra stuff come in at? And you got churches today. <laughs> today. With a trunk or treat. I was asking my family members last night, what are y'all going dressed up as tomorrow? I'm, <laughs> since, the, since the day is Halloween, I said, I'm going as preacher man. <laughs> I dress up in my costume every day. Everybody understand that. And I don't know how in the world Church folks even got entangled in that, that wickedness. That's, that's a blatant, that ain't something that you can be fooled by. I can see how, how the devil got some people with Christmas, you know, especially putting the Christ's name at the beginning of it and, you know, and, and tying it to the Bible some kind of way, trying to anyway. But I don't know how in the world Christians fall for Halloween at all. They fall for it because they want to. Because no, no stores are selling candy except on that day, apparently. Everybody understand that? It ain't never made sense to me. You, you got folks tell their children to run from strangers. Run, don't, you know, uh, train, strange open their door and try to, you run. Except on that day, you go right to them. And what's crazy is every year you see it in the news, and trust me, you'll see it in the news probably tomorrow. Some child and got a hold of some candy with some razor blades in it. That's every year. But we're going to still do it. We got to have faith in humanity and the devil. <coughs> so this chapter here is God telling us if we're going to follow him, we need to follow him. And don't add any of the extra stuff. Does everybody understand that? Don't add any, any extra. Don't do anything outside of what God has, has commanded his people to do. And then try to put his name in it, you see. So verse 24 says, And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose ye one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning even until noon, 
saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. Now, could you imagine that? They leaped up on it. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And what did they do? They cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Now, I don't know what picture you have in your mind concerning this scene, but let me paint for you the picture that you're supposed to be thinking about as we're reading it today. This is a bunch of emotional church folks who are not serving the true Jehovah. But they try to make up for their powerlessness by doing all kind of crazy stuff in church and then saying it was a move of God. Does everybody understand? That's what this represents. Church folks and their emotionalism. We're going to jump all over the place. We're going to jump up and we're going to dance. And we, we're going to do everything but have the power of God. And then when we get done with all our sweaty mess, we're going to get on social media and say, we really had a move of God today. So that's what the name of this message is, the God that answers by fire. He's God. Does everybody understand? Because the God that a lot of church folks serve, he ain't moving nothing. He ain't answering by nothing. And folks got to go to church and get all worked up. I grew up and in, in, in seen in churches how the preacher's up preaching and got folks having, they standing up rocking. How many of you seen that? Trying, just trying to feel something. You know, trying to feel something. And then go home and, and live in the same raggedy life they've been living. That's what we see playing out week after week in different churches. Their, their God ain't answering. Does everybody see that now? They, they doing all that cutting up and, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, scream louder. Keep, yeah, because God moves in all of that, you know. They doing everything. It's all outward stuff. These, these prophets cutting themselves and jumping up on the altar and doing all of that, that was all an outward show. And you knew it was God that come up with this idea. Yeah, you meet him on Mount Carmel. Because if it was, even if it was such a God as Balaam, I'd body slam him and keep him from sending fire down. There was no God named Balaam, only devils. Everybody understand that? So I, I, I want us to see that now. That's the reason why praise and worship go on for so long in a lot of these churches. They got to get people worked up. And, and if you just notice the order of things, you'll you know exactly how the devil moving. 
let's do praise and worship for an hour, get all the women all worked up, and they, they sissy husbands crying behind them as well, and then we'll take up an offering. And then we'll let a preacher get up and, and talk about some things that they're going to be falling asleep on anyway because they ain't really there to hear the word. They really come for the worship. But the question is, who are they worshiping? My God answers by fire. Everybody understand that? And he don't get caught up in emotionalism and all of that. Emotionalism don't move him. Only faith does that. Does everybody understand that? All right, so let's go ahead and keep reading. So that, that's, what you, that's what we keep in mind now. Verse 29, and it came to pass when midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice, voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Does everybody see that? They just completely disregarded God's business. Does everybody see that? And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and poured on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. So 12 barrels of water. Something that was, that was gold. Does everybody understand that? So now, if you're not careful, you'll miss the faith that Elijah was walking in. They, they going out looking for grass for the flock to eat. They done just gave up on water altogether. And here he's telling them, you take up, you take 12 barrels of water, 12 barrels of it, and pour it on this sacrifice. Look at what he called it, a burnt sacrifice. It wasn't burnt yet. Nobody said, well, you sure you want to do that? This is water. We could be drinking this water. It ain't rained in three and a half years. I don't care. God had already told him he was going to send rain. You go show yourself to Ahab and I'm going to send rain. You see that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 35, and the water ran, about, ran around about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Does everybody see that? Now, here's another thing you have to notice now. We don't read anything about God telling him to set up the altar, to take 12 stones to build it with, to cut up the sacrifices, to lay them on the altar, we don't read anything about God telling him, you know, take 12 barrels of water and pour it over the burnt offering or anything like that. But we know that God said it because he says, let it be known that I've done these things at thy word. 
Now, the Bible is full of different examples like this where you see these prophets just doing a bunch of stuff and then later on they'll say, but I've done it according to God's word. That means the people that were following them just had to believe you're a prophet and I know that what you're doing is according to God's word. You ain't just out just doing stuff on your own and just coming up with all of these little things to do. And they had to believe that. Does everybody understand that? Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Everybody see that? Let's read that again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Now, so for, for what? We'll, We'll say for about nine hours, the prophets of Baal have been jumping up and down on somebody on the altar, have been cutting themselves across their chest and their arms and bleeding all over themselves. Could you imagine just 400 of them just jumping up and down, jumping up and down, cutting themselves for about nine hours? Ain't no answer nowhere. And here Elijah, he prays for what, 30 seconds? And he didn't say, okay, Lord, send that fire now. In the middle of him praying, God sends it. Not only did it cook the sacrifice and burn it, it burnt the dust, the dirt that was around it, and the stones. You think he had a point to prove? Verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. Everybody see that? Do what with them? Let's take them back and uh, let's pray over them. Let's uh, try to get them saved because they just misunderstood, you know, some things about God's word. Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and did what? Every last one of them. 850 men. He killed them. Now that's what some of us would get off, off board with God because we don't understand God from top to bottom. All we want is the salvation God. All we want is grace. Does everybody understand? You say, well, Brother Bolden, that was the Old Testament. I can show you in the New Testament in the book of Galatians where Paul said, I wish that these people that were misleading you were dead, were cut off. He meant dead. I wish somebody would kill them. Why? Because your soul is at stake. You already belong to God and you got some folks coming in trying to mislead you and take you to hell. I wish somebody would end their lives. Does everybody understand that now? Yeah, you got to take all of God, you see. Isn't that something? 
Now, could you imagine that scene? They took them down to a, a brook, and Elijah killed them. Could you imagine how long it took for that to happen? <laughs> Let's go down to chapter 19, verse 1. Is everybody there? It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Isn't that something? And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto, a unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Isn't that something there? So who was wearing the pants in this family? Why was that any of his wife's business? Everybody see? He was, you think he wasn't scared to go home and tell his wife? Not only did he kill my prophets, he killed yours too. Bad Elijah, bad Elijah. What you gonna do, Jezebel? Cause you the one wearing the crown, not me. Everybody see that? Yeah, he knew what he was married to. So we wanted to go over this story. And we want to pay attention to the sacrifice. All sacrifices were burnt, were cooked. Does everybody understand that? The God that answers by fire. Let's go to the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Is everybody there? Y'all smell it? Yeah. We're hoping to crank up y'all's stomach. Is everybody there? The 12th chapter of the book of Romans? Joshua. Hold on. Do you have another plate to put the other one on? Another plate to put it on. Okay. Go ahead and sit down. Verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present what? Present them how? A living sacrifice. Does everybody understand that? Go ahead. Holy and what? Acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. You present your bodies. You, you, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Does everybody understand that? Holy, acceptable unto God. Does everybody understand that? And then, he, and, then he, and then he goes a little bit more in detail in verse 2 about how you do it. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, 
you presenting your body a living sacrifice to God, the idea is God changes you by renewing your mind. Does everybody understand that? It's something wrong that the church world have accepted this idea that when you go to church, you're supposed to keep your own mind about stuff. And anytime somebody, a preacher, get up for the purpose of changing your mind, then it's a cult or you're being brainwashed. You're supposed to be brainwashed. Not only brainwashed, but body washed. That's what God's word is there for. God's word didn't, God didn't write this word for you to keep your own brain about something, for you to be halted between two opinions. What do you come to God for if you don't want him to change your mind about things? Everybody understand that? But, but it's got all kind of churches out there. They, they ain't going to say nothing to challenge you, to get you to change, to get you to live right, to live holy, nothing like that. Just You can just go and be who you are. We just want you to come to church and for you to be inspired. We just want to inspire you. How in the world you inspire the devil? When folks come to church and they're full of the devil and they need to be changed and need to be you know, delivered. How in the world are you, how do you inspire the devil? Everybody understand that? Look at what it says. Transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Let's think about what Elijah did. Is there, we still on Mount Carmel? Is everybody's mind still there? Let's think about what Elijah did. He did the same thing that God's prophets do today. The exact same thing. Does everybody understand that? People come to him. You're a prophet of God. You know, I know you got a word and things like that. I'm going to come and I'm going to sit in front of you week after week and I want to hear the word. Go ahead and take that one out. And you know what he does? Take, give me that first one first. Give me that one. He cuts it up. And this is what people look like when they first come to God's prophets. And don't they look yummy? Nice and pink, just like y'all like it. Come on now, who want it? Y'all wouldn't eat that? Y'all don't want this? Huh? That don't look attractive to you? What if I put some salt on it? Will that help y'all out? Who like barbecue sauce? Yeah, so what if I put some barbecue sauce on it? What would that, would that do? Chitlin juice? Will that help? No, that don't help at all, does it? <laughs> Who? Nobody. So nobody in here want this. Why not? 
because it have not been put on the altar of God for God to consume it with his fire. Does everybody understand that? So when we first come to the Lord, this is what we all look like. I'm dead, Lord. Is this dead? Now, how many of y'all going to take off running if it get up, this leg get up and start trying to walk? And this is how we come to God. I'm dead, Lord, and we praising him and worshiping him and pink just like this piece of chicken. This is what we look like when we, all of us, this is what we look like when we first come to him. No word yet, just worship, just glad to be dead to the world, just glad to be in the service of God, just glad to be among God's people. Just as dead as this, but pink and uncooked. Does everybody understand? And so when we come to God, and, and if we're not careful, this is how we want to stay. Give me that other one. So how many of y'all believe this is acceptable? How many of y'all would eat this? Why would you eat it? Because it, it got on the altar and presented itself as a living sacrifice. This one couldn't stand the word. Couldn't stand the fire of God. It just is just just be glad I'm here and I'm, you know and I'm dead. Can't stand the word. You know I, I see some things with people in this congregation when we go to the back and we talk. Somebody could you know it's folks now scared to say what they got out of the message because they scared I might just come behind them and say something you know to to help them further along. And then sometimes I've made the mistake of looking at the person I done talked to, uh, you know, in front of everybody, and, and they got some child in their lap playing and, and then checked out. This is what they look like. I didn't say what I, what I got as a message for you to come behind me and, to, and continue to try to embarrass me about stuff. I didn't come to church to change. I didn't come to be challenged. I don't want to be cooked. I don't want the fire of God. I just want to keep living the same raggedy life I've been living, but pretending like I'm actually changing. This is the fellow that's unchanged. Everybody understand that? How many of y'all smell it? And so that's what God gets out of his living sacrifice. He don't eat it. He gets the smell out of it. He loves the smell of it. In other words, how many, what can this be used for? How can this be used? Raise your hand if you want to eat it. So it's of no use, isn't that right? But this will claim all day long, God use me. Use me in your service. I'm yielding myself as a vessel to you. Except you ain't. This rejects the word because it's too hard to hear. This gets offended every time it comes and it gets close to the fire, it just backs away. This right here just jumps right in the pot because that's what I got saved for, to be cooked. 
What made mankind start cooking food all together? Why didn't we just see a chicken and say, oh, you're, you're a dead duck. And right now I'm so hungry, I'ma just, I'm just pluck them feathers off of you as much as I can and I'm just gonna eat you raw. What made mankind start cooking meat? You know what happened? You think we didn't start off eating this? You think it's folks today? I, I know, I knew a lady that ate raw meat. Yeah, she had a devil. And not this stuff, I'm talking about ground beef. Good old bloody ground beef. What made mankind start cooking food? What made them just natural? I'm not talking about to save mankind, like that's gonna do what God say. I'm talking about just mankind in general, outside of God. What make mankind cook food? You would be surprised. You would think it was because of the taste. You grew up eating cooked food so, because, so you don't know the difference. Everybody understand? You just acquired, but if your mama and daddy had fed you this, this is what you would eat today. You wouldn't know any different. But what made mankind start cooking food? What made man, what make this more attractive, this than this? I'm going to tell you what it was, the impurities. This got all kind of E. coli in it. It's got all kind of contaminants in it that you don't see. Does everybody understand that? My friend's wife, she, she works for the government. And part of her job, she goes around to different restaurants and to make sure that this has been cooked all the way through. Because if it have not, it's going to be contaminated. So listen, it ain't enough. And some of you, you sisters and brothers as well, some of you, how many of you started frying fried chicken and you thought, oh, it's gold and crisp on the outside? And your family bite into it and look like some werewolves because blood is dripping out of it. Everybody got done tasted blood. How many of you ever thought, man, this looks just like Popeye's chicken right here? This is nice and golden brown. And, and that's what church folks are. They want to appear to be nice and golden brown on the outside and still contaminated on the inside. I'll, I'll hop on that stove just long enough, Lord, for you to brown me up and make me look good on the outside. But all this other inward stuff that I've got going on that's going to kill other folks when I try to preach to them, when I try to minister to them, no, you don't, don't touch that. Everybody understand that? We're talking about the God that answers by fire. When, when you're serving the real God, he changes you from this to this and make you useful. Does everybody understand that? We can, we can buy a whole bag of this and pass it around in 30 minutes. It'll still be there. Nobody's benefiting from this at all. So how many of you can smell this? How many of you want me to pass this around and let you smell this? No, so this is no, of no use to anybody. Does everybody understand that? What happens <laughs> if I put this on the plate with this? Cross-contamination. Put that wicked person from among you. Why? Because a little leaven leavened the whole lump. 
How many of you ever had something really, really good on your plate? And then somebody put something, and when they, somebody fixed your plate, and they put something nasty on the other side of it, and, and they were touching. And you could taste a little bit of this on that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Did you eat it anyway? No, it's been cross-contaminated. I don't want chitlin juice on my red beans. But that's what happens when the church world have accepted you got to love people to God. How are you going to win them over if you don't let them contaminate you? Does everybody understand that? So we all agree that this is what's edible? That this is what's of use in the kingdom? The one that's been cooked by God's word. And so that's what happens. Here you go. That's what happens when a prophet of God comes before God, like what he said, before God whom I stand, people come before him looking just like that raw piece. And when they sit and hear God's word and allow God's fire to consume all of the contaminants that they have on the inside of them, then they can be of some use. Does everybody understand that? But when you reject that fire, Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, he said, when the Holy Ghost comes, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Not just the Holy Ghost and with fire. That means you ain't just going to be speaking in tongues and doing the, doing the gifts of the Holy Ghost. That same Holy Spirit is going to quench all of that worldly contamination out of you. He's going to burn it up, just like what God did, what we just read in the 18th chapter of the book of 1 Kings. He's going to burn it all up and all the junk around you. He's going to lick it up with that fire. Everybody understand that? That's what God's word does. When you accept it, but if you reject it, you'll be just like that raw piece of meat that God can't use. You'll think it's just good enough just to be dead in your mind. Does everybody understand that? But here's the deception. If you were really dead, listen, that chicken, my wife and I, when she brought it to, uh, this morning and cooked it for me, it didn't, we didn't have to chase it around in the back. It, it didn't have its own will. Does everybody understand? Once it was dead, it was dead, and it had to submit to its owner. We didn't have to chase it around like, man, them legs sure are fast. We should have just got the thigh because, you know, them legs like to run. How many of you ever had to chase, a, chase your chicken down when you got it out of Walmart or whatever you got it from? How many of you ever had that, you know, that was a family event? But you got folks come to church and say, I'm, uh, Lord, I'm dead in you, Lord. I'm dead in Christ. Man, my life is hid in Christ Jesus. And then God's words got to chase them down. If God got to chase you down and get you on the altar, you ain't going to be on there. Everybody understand that? When Elijah did the sacrifice, it was on Mount Carmel, exactly where the Lord said it was supposed to be. The bullocks that he sacrificed, it didn't come up with his own rules. It was not trying to negotiate 
with Elijah about how it was going to receive anything. It put itself in the hands of that prophet, and that prophet did exactly what God told him to do with it. Lay it on top of that altar. Does everybody understand that? But what happens when you reject God's word? You don't think it's for you. When you can't stand, now we're talking about folks that can't stand to be corrected. That's, that, that's the raw piece of chicken. Don't want to be corrected. I don't, I'm already fine. You know, I just, have, just let me ease into this. I don't want to hear correction week after week after week after week. If there's anything about you that need to be corrected, why wouldn't you want to be? I can sit and listen at a preacher talk about fornication and preach against it all day and not get offended. I can sit and hear a preacher talk about even maybe things that I'm struggling with. I, I got enough sense not to get offended. It's, that's just the word of God. Amen. And if I'm not lying, well, thank you, Lord, that now I know, okay, so I need to grow in this area. God came for me with that fire. Amen. And I, I need to grow now. You don't get mad at it. God says in his word that he's a consuming fire. Everybody understand? No, he's a consuming fire, not something that's just going to brown you on the outside and make you look all pretty so you're not pink anymore. He's going to get you to the bone. How many of you ever used one of those little thermometers when you were barbecuing or cooking something? You better for a turkey especially. So how do you know when it is ready? You stick that thermometer to the bone. Let it measure all the way to the bone. How many of you have cooked a turkey and just, just cut the edges off that was just cooked and the rest of it was just, you know, whatever? No, you bought the whole turkey, you want the whole turkey cooked. We're going to get a long needle and stick it all the way to the bone. It's cooked when the bone is cooked. And that's the way God sees it. He put that turkey in the oven and he, he don't take it out halfway through. It's looking real nice. And he, can care, he can care less about how it looks. How is it really? Is it done? And my prayer is that, you know, I hope some of, most of us in here, if we've ever gone out to eat, or we, you know, buy steak or whatever, I, my prayer is that we will want it done. Not rare, not medium rare, not vampire ready. I, I'm gonna tell you about me. I ain't never understood anybody wanting to have cooked anything. I don't even like sunny side eggs. Cook that mess. <laughs> Everybody understand? <laughs> I don't care how much black pepper you put on top of it. That's still a liquid chicken. That need to be cooked. Everybody understand? <laughs> That's the way we have to be. When we come to God, we present our bodies a living sacrifice to him. 
And we can't tell God, well, Lord, just put me on low. Put me on low fire. I'm not ready for all that heat yet. Just put me up. And while we said and praying all that, God zap us. <laughs> you good and crispy, just like I like it. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I believe when we come to God, we ought to want to be changed all the way through. Oftentimes, though, people don't want to be changed in the, hurt, in the areas that they're hurt in. But when we come to God, we ought to want God to change us all the way through. That God burn all of that mess out of me. Because, listen, the outside can be cooked. If the inside is uncooked, it's still contaminated. So on the outside, you can fix yourself up, you can grow long hair, you can put on long skirts and do all of that. On the outside, I accept all of that. But I still got anger on the inside of me. I, I'm still angry. I'm st I'm, I still got strife on the inside of me. I, I'm just a strife-wearing, uh, dress-wearing somebody. You can have hair down to the floor and full of jealousy. God's got to cook you all the way through. Does everybody understand? He can care less about what you look like on the outside if the inside is, is still dead. If the inside is still pink, it, it, you're of no use to him. Does everybody understand that? And my prayer is that we're really, really here what the Lord is saying to us today. Let's let God finish the work. Now, how many of you know a lot of times when we put something on the stove, it cooks from the, from the outside in? In other words, the outside looks done before the inside does. But listen, unless you slow cooking it, that's what God does when he, he put us, when we present ourselves a living sacrifice, that inside get done first. And if you're somebody that's concerned with how you look, you're going to try to get God to turn up the fire. God don't cook you all at once. Does everybody understand? The truth be told, as long as you belong to God, you're going to be on his fire. You don't ever get off of it. So let's, let's not just get this in our mind that we graduate some kind of way. You don't graduate. You just glow, go from glory to glory. And you just, I'm telling you, you've come to the wrong God if you don't want to change. You've come to the wrong God if you can't accept correction. Does everybody understand that? He is a consuming fire. And either you're going to allow him to consume you or he won't have anything to do with you. It's just that simple. Does everybody understand that? You can't shake his hand without him burning you. So if you want anything to do with him, you're going to get burned. Does everybody understand that? How many of you know God don't lighten up who he is for your sake? Let's just think about it. Let's think about Moses. Moses, when he talked to God, they sat 
I guess you could say kind of like a table between them. God sat on one side, Moses sat on the other. And between them was a rock where God, where Moses didn't look at God directly. Does everybody understand that? They sat face to face, but there was something between them so that Moses couldn't see him. And one day Moses asked him, okay, Lord, if I found favor in your sight, I'll, let me see you. And God said, no man can look up on me and live, but I'll tell you what I'll do. You go hide behind that cleft rock over there, and I'll pass by. And as I'm passing by, I'll put my hand over your face, and when I pass by you, I'll remove my hand so that you can see my backside. Moses said, okay, I'll take what I can get. But you notice God didn't change who he was. God didn't say, well, you know, no man can look upon me, but for your sake, I turn myself into a little frog. You can stand and look at a frog. And I'll talk and I'll bounce up and down and wave to let you know it's really me. <laughs> Is that what God did? No, Moses, you ain't holy enough. One day when you leave this world, you'll be. Does everybody understand that? And so you can't come to God with these conditions. Well, Lord, if you want me to come to you, you just, you know, you're going to have to preach a light message and you're going to have to, you know, just work with me. Because I'm brand new to this. You wasn't brand new to nothing in the world. You come out of the womb running for the devil. Being manipulative, crying when you didn't get a bottle within two seconds flat. Everybody understand? <laughs> Then all of a sudden you come to God and you want him to take it easy. <laughs> God wants us to be sold out to him. This ain't, this ain't, God don't want this to be some strange thing. Everybody understand? Every preacher is supposed to preach what you hear today. I, I'm sorry that some of you grew up in some junk where the preachers weren't challenging anybody. But when we come to God, we have to know God sees exactly what's there, not what you, what you want to portray, not what you want people to see. He sees what's there. And when he, when he picks up that there's anything pink about his people, he's going to zap that mess out of us with his word. Does everybody understand? He will not change his word to keep from offending you. And my prayers is that we'll receive that. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the word that we've heard. God, we pray that you will help us to receive it, Lord. Help us not to get offended. Help us to accept, Lord, that this is a part of our relationship with you that as we continue to grow in you, Lord, that we will be corrected and that your word will chasten us, Lord, and that your word will heal us and bring us to a place where we can be used by you. Help us not to think it's some strange thing. Help us, Lord, to see your correction as your love for us. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've resisted your fire. And Lord, we pray.
that you will help us to take on your nature. If it's anything, Lord, that's in us that's not like you, we ask that you will burn it out of us so that we don't bring a reproach to your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. If that's all now, we'll go ahead and be dismissed and go to the back and discuss the things that we've heard. That's all you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.